Hi everyone and welcome to the Information Entry Podcast, your weekly science podcast where we ramble, cover some sciencey things, cover some pop culture things, and just make your lives a little bit better. Maybe. Oh, that's maybe asking a bit too much. <laughs> In this episode of the Information Entry Podcast, we are going to delve into the intricate world of identity. We'll explore maybe how some genetics work, some culture, some digital personas are shaped, and how our environments from family to careers influence our sense of self. We'll discuss some psychology, <laughs> physiological theories. I was going to call it psychological. It could be psychological. Yeah, I'd say so. It's a bit, bit of both. Some bit theories both. behind identity formation and reflect on how identity is portrayed in literature. Join us this week's episode of the Information Entry Podcast. Tom, roll the intro. Um, I always like to think, like, at that point, when you're editing, you, like, pause it for a bit, and then whack when the, the intro comes in. New intro. New intro, we comment which about we, it last week. we didn't, because we hadn't made weird. it. <laughs> weird. Weird that we didn't comment about it. New season as well. We didn't comment about it being a new season, because no. it's a new year. Um, <laughs> strange things happening here. Strange things happening. Also... The, the intro that we made specifically doesn't work for what you just did. So now I'm going to have to make another one <laughs> so that it works. <laughs> um, oh, dear. So I guess we'll just have two intros music. for whenever you do that. And I have to just pull it out of the bag. Yeah, just pull the old one back. And just be like, <laughs> oh, dear. Because Mitchell's demanded that you roll the intro. It's all right. I'll make it work. And you'll just hear it for the first time when you listen to the episode. Yeah. And awesome. uh, the price for me, we'll Surprise hear your complaints really. next week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, fun dear. times, fun um, times. I guess I normally I'd ask you how your week was here. You, you would normally. How's your three hours been? Oh, it's been great, mate. Played some magic, yeah. won some magic, mm-hmm. lost some magic, ate some pasta. Oh yeah, what you have for dinner? So we had pasta. We talked about this before. We should have already waited. Yeah, we, we always just ramble a little bit, don't we? Um, pasta, yeah. pesto, easy, quick, just a good time. That's about Amazing it, really. Time. Yeah. Um, had a bit of monster was... just to pet me up for this. Just a little bit, oh, yeah, because yeah, you nurse monsters like there's no tomorrow. I know. I've had this one go for the past like five hours. <laughs> it's the one <laughs> thing I'm really hours. No, like five hours. Oh, okay. It's... Actually, I think longer, sadly. Um, it's the one thing I'm ridiculed for is just how slowly I drink shit from a can. I think if it's in a glass, I'm a bit better with it because I can see it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that exists. When it's in a can, my brain just, I just, you know, just nurse it for a bit. It's not it unknown it's for me yeah, it just to take four or five hours to drink a cider. Pop it out for dinner. I've barely finished it before we go to bed. If I have finished it. Um... Yeah, constant ridicule from George on that one. But hey, mm-hmm. here we are. Guy likes to yeah. enjoy his drinks. What can I say? Except water. That's gross. No. Anyway, save me from this. <laughs> for the longest time, uh, to spice up my water a little bit, was to... <laughs> spice. Spicy. Making some spicy water. Spicy um, water. <laughs> just put a bit of vodka in it. No, lemon juice. Just 
like oh, yeah. cordial or like you know, it's just straight squeeze. up lemon juice. Yeah, straight lemon juice. Like squeeze a lemon to it to give it a bit of wow, bit of zest. Flav. No, yeah, a little zesty. Bit of zest. You're just adding milk and lemons into your water. Nice. Milk. I don't know, what? mate. I don't know what's going <laughs> Nobody on. Nobody should be putting milk into water. That sounds horrible. Well, right. it's basically what you do when you have a cup of tea. You're not wrong. The only difference is it's hot water. It makes it a little bit better, apparently. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> mostly infused with the leaves of a plant. Yeah, dead plant. Dried dead plant. Dried. Um, yeah. You know, there's some people out there that have Earl Grey with milk. Just what... <laughs> I'm calling a lot of people out there, but like, what are you doing? Of all the things, just to be like, hang on, we just need to take a sidestep here to be serious yeah, for a moment. Like, pause a second here. <laughs> Think about. Uh, are you somebody who drinks I need to cool milk out. with Earl Grey? You um, are. I'm not. No, I don't uh, drink Earl Grey, okay. mate. Oh, mate, it's really good. It's nice. Yeah, it's I'm sure it is. I'm just not much of a tea drinker these days. I go through phases. It's either all I drink, or I won't drink it. I've got a cup right here. Oh, I love that for you. Yeah, it's good. Right, so moving on to this absolute madness. <laughs> news. We've got to talk about the news. News. That happened this week. Mm. Um, this is going to be a sad news for all, for all you uh, teens who also smoke drugs out there. Um, but it's recently come to light. In some new research, that the teen brain is especially susceptible to harm from THC, oh, from mar- mar- marijuana, from the devil's lettuce. Yep, the spicy yeah. leaf. Um, it's not all bad. Only thirty-five percent of seventeen, uh, tw- twelve to seventeen-year-olds, uh, perceive a great risk of threat from smoking harm. Actually, sorry. This is what they perceive, not what their actual risk is. <laughs> they they only think this thirty five percent harms them, but actually, it's a lot more. Um, <laughs> oh dear! You know, it's getting, it's getting late. Late ones are the funny ones. Um, right, but the issue being here is compared to when we were growing up, there's many countries in the world now that cannabis products are more available, legal. Uh, and actually more potent and the potency is also something that they did more research in because it's to do with the potency is what can cause the the issues yeah Uh, such as um risk of addiction it it, itself it is not addiction addictive there are no addictive properties in marijuana but that doesn't mean you can't get addicted to the feeling of it just like the same as you can get addicted to the feeling of eating or chocolate if you want to know about motivations and dopamine, last episode we talked about it a little bit. They they also work against you. We didn't talk about that, but we talked about motivation, how to discipline yourself. Um, on on the on happened. the subject of the um, potency, uh, I remember that it was it was a wild change. So I just went, I just looked it up quickly. But um, let's say around 1970, yeah. the average uh, strength of marijuana was just over 1% um, THC in a in, in, in the plant. Yeah. Now, it's around 17%. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm so, saying around there because I cannot read that graph that well. But, uh, <laughs> okay, so I've got the, it. So the, yeah, um, okay. back in the day, 
So we're talking about Delta 9 tetrahydrocannabinol, or THC is what we're saying, is which is the main psychoactive ingredient. Back in 1995, they do it by total percent of THC by weight of marijuana plant material. Okay. Uh, it used to be 4%. Right. So if you, if you, if you, 4%. Okay. Yeah, if you, if you had a, a blunt. Um, Get your blunt on. Is it a blunt? Is it is it what's one that's mixed? I don't know my my mar- my marijuana lingo. I don't um, know marijuana. Isn't a blunt mix of tobacco? Oh, I'm gonna Google it. What is a blunt? <laughs> we are down with the kids. We smoke one marijuanas. Yes, I think every day. A blunt is a cigar that's been hollowed out and filled with cannabis. Yeah. Okay. So maybe not a blunt um, then. Maybe spliff? the dube. Spliff. Okay, let's go I with the spliff. Spliff is fine. Yeah, Spliff is all marijuana. It's uh, changed now, since my day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Old man shakes fist at cloud. Um, now, marijuana has the THC, THC potency of 20% or more in like Spliffs. So that is, you know, 16% increase, um, which obviously is having an effect on people. Yeah, because I guess people, you watch TV or that, whatever. And be like, oh, they smoke one joint. I'm going to smoke one joint. Oh, but it's just not the same. Yeah. Like when and... you see Snoop back in the day when he's like on set or in his music videos and he's got like 20 and he's going away. Yeah. He would, it's, that's essentially just divided by four. And that's like a current day one. So if he used to be like, yeah, back in the day, he used to smoke 20. He'd be like, well, that's actually five. Like new <laughs> ones. Get on my level. Yeah. Um, um... But also like, especially <laughs> like, I guess if you're transitioning into the drug space after knowing about pints and things or drinking, which is quite heavily regulated, most people kind of know what a pint is. Like one of that thing and I'll be okay after it, right? Yeah. But then people will be like, oh, I'll just have one of those things and they're just very much like, not okay. Im- imagine, it's like power creep. Imagine in like 20 years time, you went for a pint, right? And instead of it being 4%, it's sixteen percent alcohol, and you're essentially drinking a pint of like rum and coke. Mmm, that's nasty. <laughs> like that's that's the the creep you've got here. Yeah. Um, what some uh health people, neurologists, uh, neuroscientists, neurologists, and uh, health scientists have said that they we need to start calling those concentrated cannibal <laughs> cannibals cannabis products uh something else because it's damaging to call them cannabis because people have the assumption that like we do when we were younger that it's not that potent when it actually is i say when we were younger i mean when we were young at that time it was less potent yeah yeah moving Uh, on that makes sense probably get some pushback but yes yeah how does it affect the adolescent brain this is the, the crux of the issue as we know with the adolescent brain, it's still developing into early adulthood. We are past that stage now, Tom, I'm sorry to say. Nah, not um, even 30 yet, mate. <laughs> it stops at 24, doesn't it? Oh, just because it's 2024. Yeah, okay. I'm not even 24 yet, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, as we know, during this period, where it's developing, connections within the brain are forming and getting reinforced and pruned didn't know uh your brain is still trying to figure out a lot what is out it is trying to find out what's important to learn what's important to retain what's important to not retain this is negatively affected by thc 
It binds to one of the main receptors called CB1, which is of the endocannabinoid system. This complex system influences many functions in the body, in the brain. The endocannabinoid system plays a crucial role in the organs development and it helps regulate anxiety, pain, memory, motivation of behaviors and more. That's why when you have cannabis, your motivation drops, you kind of just want to sit and relax. Your pain drops, your anxiety drops. That's what is that's what goes on. Um, but there's a big thing about how um a lot of evidence from changes in teens' brain. So researchers analyzed close to 1,600 magnetic resonance images of brain, so MRI images, of the brain of nearly 800 adolescents taking from 14 to 19 average. There was an association between cannabis use over a five-year period and accelerated thinning of the prefrontal, prefrontal cortex, which is the memory bit. Um, no, no. Which, what, what bit's the prefrontal cortex? Prefrontal, that's like motor and stuff, isn't it? Uh, you're not going to be able to catch a ball. Prefrontal cortex function. Intelli uh, cognitive, yeah, cognitive abilities. Yes. Um, so you're not going to be good at running, catching a ball. Thoughts, actions, emotions as well. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but accelerated thinning means that the process isn't following the normal behavior development plan. Researchers hypothesize that the accelerated thinning might be connected to the premature loss of nerve cell protrusion protrusions that was described in the rat study. Because they obviously did a rat study before they used humans. That's the way that works. Um, then the counter knock on to this is mental health harm. Use, using cannabis puts teens mental health risk. Um, Streaming for someone using cannabis recreationally, adolescents aging 12 to 17 who can't use, who use cannabis do not meet the thresholds for substance use disorder or about twice as likely to develop depression or have suicidal ideations as those who didn't use cannabis, according to a study of 68,000 adolescents. Um, heck. This is a lot. Of adolescence, that's a good, you got a good sample size there, um, which, you know, can spiral daily life. They use it more, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So that some, some new research came about that. So that's pretty when wild. Pe when people were like, yeah, it's going to destroy your memory, man. And then they were like, nah, it's not, it's fine. I can do this. I'm fine. It's not, not fine. They've done the research. They've now. done the research. Just wait until you're 23. And then smoke yeah. as much as you want. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the message that we're putting out. <laughs> Science <of> approval. <laughs> uh, at least we don't have any you accelerated heard it thinning, here, folks. <laughs> uh, that's pretty wild, but it just goes to show, like the um, the swings, the sways, and changes of like research as as more stuff comes out, right? Um, I mean, probably not before the very few recent years have we actually had the ability to carry out such a study of 68,000 youths from 12 to, what was it, 17? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's mad. Good study, though. Fair play. Fair yeah. play to them. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Right. Do you know what I thought of when I was away? Uh, uh, no. When we had our break. Okay, yeah. I, 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 we referenced this in the first episode. We should reference, reference it in this episode of, of the I am Mitchell, my name is Mitchell situation. <laughs> yeah, we definitely should Because this really yeah. falls perfectly into the identity and personality situation. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I did look right. into it in our break, I'm afraid. What, me having anxiety about the... 
Are you? I am. Are you not? Yeah. Um, I'll do that at some point, though. Oh, mate. Okay, cool. Maybe we'll just have an on-air <laughs> therapy session. And see where it, <laughs> get a therapist like, on and see where it goes. Uh, oh, mate, that'd be funny. You you paying for this therapist to come on? Oh, hundred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I at the start, I'll sign a waiver saying that I will. I like give out my confidentiality agreement, yeah. like patient confidentiality out the out the wall. Easy peasy. That's easy, to easy. protect you, though. I think you'd be fine actually just giving that stuff away since you are the patient. Unless the doctor's telling you confidential things, <laughs> maybe <laughs> they shouldn't maybe. be working that way. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Right. So, right. Identity or personality. This is this is what we what I was looked at. It's, it's okay. personality versus identity. So identity is something that you give yourself. It has it has to do with what you stand for, your morals, your values, etc. It's who you are physically and legally. That's just a basic. You already know that statement. Personality is the way in which you portray or live in your identity. Okay. Person, your personality is the way that you portray yourself in your identity that you've given yourself or been molded over time. So identity refers to our sense of who we are as individuals and as members of social groups. Our identities are not simply our own creations. Identities grow in response to both external and internal factors. To some extent, each of, the, each of us choose an identity, but identities are also formed by environmental factors which are completely out of our control. They are also dynamic, complex, and change over time. You have... So a self-identity and a social identity. So self-identity refers to how we define ourselves. Self-identity forms the basis of our self-esteem. In adolescence, the way we see ourselves changes in response to our peers, family, and school, among other social environments. Our self-identity shapes our perceptions of belonging. Social identity is constructed by others and may refer may differ from self-identity. Typically, people categorize individuals according to broad socially defined labels. For example, if you have dark skin, you may be labeled black by others, even though you may not have adopted that identity for yourself. Positive self-identity is correlated with with positive self-esteem. All identities are not equally valued by society. Some adolescents may especially need reinforcements to help them construct a positive sense of self. Mm. It tracks. Yeah, a lot of like uh, nature versus nurture, or nature and nurture when when it comes to your identity, and it makes sense, do, right? Do you think? Yeah, and let's think because identity forms through adolescence, right? Um, yeah. Let's say that what well, you, you gain a sense of identity as you grow yes. older, right? Yeah. Um, some of that is driven through interest right um some of that maybe your parents made you go play football or something uh, at a club to get some exercise fine part of you probably identifies as someone who plays football but also these other things that you've decided to do outside of school and your social life right hobbies um the people you interact with also become part of your identity and how you interact with those people when you pick up from those people as well, right? So I definitely think there's um, your natural tendencies. Yeah. But a large part of that is what you're exposed to and what you kind of fall in line with. Like, I'm a massive fantasy nerd. Probably because I've been exposed to so much of it and I keep seeking that out. 
right? Um, so that becomes a bigger and bigger part of my identity as I grew up because I was actively seeking that out. Yeah, we talked. I think we talked about this before about how for the longest time I was a massive nerd, <laughs> and it wasn't till uh, uni where I could properly explore being a, even like a proper big nerd. Yeah, because of, and I think that's because where where we were from, um, there's not massive outlets for that. No, like, exactly. The pool of individuals that you grow up around in small towns in Devon uh, doesn't give you the freedom to find people that you have a massive amount of common with. Yeah, and, and I guess when you're growing up, it's about trying to fit in, right? Yeah, yeah um, 100%. So you somewhat squash. Well, I certainly did quash some oh, yeah. of them. Um, <laughs> Quashing, squashing. Same thing. Both, yeah. So some of the, the tendencies I may natu- naturally have. But as you say, when you go to university and things like that, then actually suddenly you meet so many other people who have like-minded interests and you learn how to manage different social uh, interactions and friendship groups and things like that as well. Yeah. Um, yeah 100%. I, I had one question like kind of aligned with that. And I haven't done any research on this. And I don't know if you've come across it. Was personas... And where that aligns with your identity. So people, whether you like to believe it or not, and some people do it more, some people do it less, act differently around different people or in different situations, right? So a clear example that everyone has is a work persona, like how you uh, behave at work around people you work with in a meeting, for example, is probably very different to how you behave when you're with a group of friends or you're just at home chilling by yourself, right? Um, But then you also have different personas, maybe even between friendship groups. If you're someone who likes to make people laugh, then you'll understand that making one group of people laugh is different to making another group of people laugh. So you probably key into different behaviors when you're with different people. And I was wondering what you, how you think that ties in with identity because you're still the same person Ooh, you know, it's it's interesting because other people it, may you, perceive your personality to be slightly different. Yeah. Okay. This, this ties into. I was watching some uh, some stuff on autism as I as I always do. Got to keep yeah. clued in. And it was the argument that somebody felt comfortable enough uh, unmasking in front of like a group of friends. Do you want to firstly explain masking and unmasking to people who don't know what that is? So masking is something that uh, not just neurotypicals do, but people will do, especially neurotypicals, to fit in. Neurodivergent people, sorry. Non-neurotypical neurodivergent people will do to fit in. And it's like taught behaviors so they don't stand out. They they just learn social cues. and know how to react to them and they'll create a what they call a mask so they appear more normal and i'm using air brackets here um to get by day-to-day life with with, with less people you know giving them grief and to make their life easier so unmasking is when they you know remove those uh controls that they put on themselves um if in front of people either with you know if they feel comfortable but it was, it was the the what is that really? Um, this person 
became comfortable enough to like uh, demask unmask in front of group friends and they were like well have you just been lying to us this whole time have you've created this you were this fake person that wasn't actually you this whole time um yeah, yeah a bit, a bit it's like the argument it's where if you have like uh comedians who are also alcoholics think they're funny because of the alcohol and they're scared to not stop drinking the alcohol because they're dependent on it and it's like that kind of thing of like you're in too deep yeah then, I um, think when it comes to neurodivergence and, and things like that a lot of the time you do, I mean when you develop a mask you don't do it on actively it's not a conscious process all the time right you may pick up some mm. it kind of is mm. mm-hmm. and it develops into what we refer to as a mask but I guess it's like social saving mechanisms, right? To prevent awkwardness, anxiety in a social situation. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to decide whether that's kind of like a reflexively created thing. I guess it's built up over many years intentionally, but lots of separate things yeah. go into it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and people your, still like, think that is their identity. It, that it's that is still part of that person mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah it's, it's difficult difficult especially mm-hmm. if you're neurotypical and can't understand that or you've never had it explained to you right um difficult on both sides but yes carry on sorry yeah i was trying to link it back to you you're asking about the persona i mean personas yeah that, that kind of like a mask comes into a persona yes uh, and it's just it's just um neurotypical people taking offense to coping mechanisms for people that you know it's not as easy for them to navigate through social cues yeah exactly um, i think which um, you know not, not everybody can do it sucks you know i am mitchell or is that just my name we don't know Tom. <laughs> we don't know we don't uh, know mate. is mitchell is mitchell just the persona hmm? how about that maybe have i got a different persona that i because i know that i'm being recorded I'm, am I different I'm to how I am in real life? I'm absolutely 100 sure that my <laughs> per- perception of you is probably different to Grace's, right? Uh, probably, yeah. But again, we experience know, you know. very differently. I imagine. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Know. But well, 100 percent different. It's, it's not like it's probably like yeah, 80 like percent overlap. You know what I mean? Two faced. No. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you've never been in the room with me and Grace. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. Um, um, but I think we, that's normal to have different personas. Yes. And I, I remember kind of thinking about that the first time and have, having never come across that idea. And then I was like, kind of had like a tiny identity crisis at the age of 16 when I was like, oh, I'm acting different around different people, but I'm not doing it on purpose. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Yeah, interesting thing. Thing. Very much is. Very much is. We had a friend who had social anxiety, still had social anxiety, um, and they would have a different persona or identity when they were in a group of people. Yeah. Um, everybody knew that it was different <laughs> from when they were like one-on-one or in like a chill situation. And you'd be like, that, I think there's a few situations where we'd be like, mate, you need to calm the fuck down <laughs> and act normal because everybody knows, like, you're trying too hard to, like, be funny, that kind of stuff. Um, 
Oh. Yeah. But that's how their anxiety came out was trying to like lean into self-deprecating humor. Yeah. And that kind of stuff. And we're like, we know that's not you normally. So why are you doing it? And it's interesting. Um, the rules your brain forms in social situations, right? Um, yeah. As long as I can get people laughing, no matter what. Yeah. No matter the cost. No matter the cost. Um, and how quickly your brain rewards itself for that, right? So it is like yeah. a positive feedback. I know it's a negative thing but it's a positive yeah, feedback yeah. loop because the effect is getting bigger over the time. Um, and I think that's why sometimes going to a completely new place and just kind of resetting really does work for some people. Yeah. Definitely. Whether that's university or even later in life to completely yeah. going somewhere else. Yeah. I found a bunch of nerds at uni that want to play D&D. That was a first. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, that was, that was a first. Um and Magic the Gathering. We played it a little bit before. That's this, like, <laughs> yeah. You were my island in storm, Tom. <laughs> the no. only other nerd in a sea of non nerds. In a sea of tradies, Ooh. you were my nerd. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bloody hell. Oh, <laughs> we did all right. We, we, we did all right. <laughs> well, we had each that. other at least, eh? <laughs> oh, Us and those ball bonds. Right, so it's all about Splinter Cell. I'll never forget that night. <laughs> that story will come out at this at some point this year, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, Where do you want to take? I had this? a look at online personas. Yes. Because I thought it was quite interesting, and the like the cyber psychology behind it. Now, for those that don't know what cyber psychology is, a field in psychology that focuses on the study of human interactions with technology, particularly the internet and digital environments. When I was at uni. In our first year, we did cyber psychology, and it was pretty new then. So it's only you know five, six, seven years old. This specific look with the interaction with technology. Um, it's a significant area where it looks at the effect of the anonymity of the internet uh, and its significant impact on online behavior, social interactions, and individual psychology. But it looks at the online persona that people build for themselves, and uh, there's one that is. Uh, anonymity based and one that is uh, curated if you will yeah see so if I went back to do a masters in something slightly unrelated to what I do now I think I would seriously <laughs> contemplate this topic it's very very interesting I find it very interesting people are like oh what are we going to have to do it and then like day to day I use it at work like yeah that's cyber psychology people want the shortest route so they're going to you know write their passwords down yeah cyber psychology um so I'll split it into the online personas and then we'll go into cyber psychology and anonymity. So when we talk about online personas, we are essentially discussing a social facade that individuals present themselves on digital platforms. Yeah? Yeah. Because I'm not because nobody's hundred percent truthful online. Don't care what you say, everything's curated, everything's facade. Like taking a non-candid photo can be classed as a facade. Yes. Um, and this, this persona, this facade that they create, it can be a reflection, an extension, or a distortion of a person's real-life identity. Unlike spontaneous real-life interactions, digital environment provides a controlled setting where individuals can meticulously craft and curate their public image. The concept of an online persona is rooted in Goffman's theory of self presentation which posits that individuals always strive to manage the impressions impressions others form of them a phenomenon he likens to a performance in a theatrical production 
Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, they always say if you go to look at someone's Instagram, all you're seeing is the highlight reel, right? Yeah, the hi- you living the high life. Yeah, the high life reel. Yep. So, you know, there, there's multiple like sections to this. The first is you crafting the ideal self, which I, you know, if you're gonna sit down and do it uh, consciously or subconsciously, it's the tendency to present an idealized versions of yourself. So you're gonna sit there uh and do what uh there's a study by uh Zhao and Grasmack and Martin and it's found that individuals often engage in selective self-presentation on social media platforms so you'll sit there and you'll selectively be like what are the good traits let's highlight the attributes that i perceive to be more desirable or attractive and then this tendency is further amplified by the asynchronized nature of online communication allowing individuals more time to think edit and control the contents that they share plus as of someone who experiences that content right it's amplified again um if you're viewing certain people who are let's say amplifying the same characteristics yes yeah yeah and you're going through multiple different i wasn't intentionally uh, but yeah. i guess that 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 would that would that would work there yeah, um, so if you like, you know, six pack is good in your head. I want a persona. I've got a six pack. Let me just hashtag six pack. You are will then feed into an algorithm that will just present more six packs to you. Yeah. <laughs> so you're then self perpetuating and getting yourself in that echo chamber. Um, so then you've got uh, psychological motivations behind the creation of online personas. They can be multifaceted. According to the hyperpersonnel model proposed by Walther's computer-mediated communication can lead to more intense and intimate interactions than face-to-face, if you didn't know. The model suggests that the lack of physical cues online leads individuals to fill in the gaps with idealized perceptions. Furthermore, the need for self-esteem enhancement, as explained in the social identity model of de-individualization effects, so that's the S-I-D-E, is another driving force. The model posits that anonymity and reduced accountability online can lead to a stronger affiliation with group identities, a subsequent boost in self-esteem, which is a lot of part of sub-psychology. So I'll come on to that in a section. Um, yeah, which I, I, I didn't really know. I didn't never thought about that, to be honest. I'd never the, thought how about you, it. But it you, you fill the gaps. It kind of makes sense. Um, so I used to moderate a Twitch chat for a oh, few gosh. years. Oof. Um, honestly, really enjoyed it. It was a great community. Um, it was about it was so Twitch for those of you who don't know is kind of like YouTube, but solely for gaming, and you can only mm. watch people whilst they're live. And then there's like a little chat next to it uh, where people can type comments and emojis and be, things like that. Gaming, but there's now an IRL section. There's now an IRL it's, section. It's just, it's, streaming anything is if you're going to do it, you do it by Twitch. Yeah, essentially. Or there are other. I guess I was going to say copycats, but you know, there are other uh, sites now as well. Um, but essentially, yeah. yeah, platforms. Um, some streamers would attract like a community where whenever they were online, the same people would turn up over and over. And sometimes assholes come in and just kind of ruin the experience for everyone. And you need people to kick them out. I was one of those people. Um, and it's wild. I can completely understand the filling things in, the need for like validation online. Um, some of the conversations you have are far more intense, far more quickly. 
with people. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And I I think I somewhat think there's, like... there's some overlap between the people who feel slightly alone seeking a connection online, right? Mm. I was a nerd who didn't have many friends in real life, right? Um so I probably found other people in a similar situation. You do form fairly intense friendships quite quickly. Um easily speak about these things because maybe there isn't some and part of the social anxiety is gone when you're just typing right yes um so yeah also like I, I i don't know if it's you but whenever i like type type like talking to people by text or talking in game i just like assume that everybody's an asshole <laughs> like there's like the 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 assumption is they're gonna do something bad i don't know my negative yeah. experiences online well, we grew up in the Call of Duty lobby era. <laughs> we did. So yes. that, that, that's given, that's, that, that molded us. But I, think I just, that's, that's my go-to, is that people are out to be arseholes. Oh, I really sure definitely like, have a different, well. in different uh, aspect on it. But I think that's because I've had such good positive experiences through like Twitch mm. and things like that, that I'm not so uh, shafted onto one side of the, everyone's going to be an asshole thing i did like the idea of like it fills your your brain fills in the gaps like and what I, in my head i immediately went to like yeah like when i'm talking to you tom i in my head i have avatar tom yeah that's just like a copy of you that i can imagine when you speak yeah doing your fair. mannerisms and stuff <laughs> <laughs> like your your turn the webcams on one day that'd be weird um a hundred percent and i've definitely had experiences where i've spoken to people for years online over discord playing games and then met them in real life or seen pictures of them you're like that's not what i imagine yeah a complete subversion of expectations uh it can be quite a shock Um, yeah we uh we've got a group of uh guys that we game with um and i spoke to this guy like three or four times maybe a week in the evenings for about a year to two years and then i was like oh yeah no he sounds like he's oh, he's like 20 20 to 21 it's a lot of level of maturity and that kind of stuff was talking to another one and i was like oh yeah because you know we're 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 30 this year you know this person's they're gonna be what 21 22 and they went no 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 the person's like it's older than us 29 i'm like no way <laughs> just like yeah because it completely they're like their persona and just the way that they they talk online yeah was so different from what you would expect what i what i i expected so absolutely crazy yeah. yeah it's very cool i would love to see someone do like a psychological analysis of twitch chat like <laughs> what is going on that you don't need to go to the world finals of league of legends you know do it in a smaller self-contained community or something. Yeah, a positive one. A positive a positive um, community would be good. And that'd be very, very interesting to see. And then on the flip side of that, when you have the actual streamers, or I guess the the personalities. Yeah, um, who have their own personas. Some people are just trying to be themselves. Some people have curated a character. Dr. Dr. Disrespect. Disrespect. Yeah, yeah, comes to mind. Some people are just assholes but that is the character they've created yeah there was one girl hollow life who's that oh that's the the anime drawings that they use facial oh um, yes yes the hollow life is the company i can't remember what it is they've got like avatars 
yes. YouTubers. Yeah, is yeah what they're exactly. Called. They have avatars, and it maps like, onto their everything, face. Everything's fake. Yeah, <laughs> like that. Is, like that is like the the quintessential persona. Is they pay a lot of money to get like a a model rigged for them, and then like that is that yeah exactly with like there with like a camera. So what they say and do, the, the model does. Um, I've um, seen people yeah. like try and one of the people I watch at the minute who streams magic. He tries to make it like a TV show. So he has a massive soundboard that has like laugh tracks on it and booze and applauding. So it kind of tries to make like this sitcom okay, energy. Um, yeah. And it has like really nice transitions and a lot of chat involvement and then that kind of thing. And some people just completely ignore the people who've come to see them and just play, you know? Yeah. So it's a real wide variety. Right. and just very interesting, I think, from a psychological point of view. Um yeah. The ones that are even more interesting with mine. A lot of the people that I follow, why is it wide selection? I've got uh, Bro, who was the guy that was the the Maori, who did the wood carving. Oh yeah, really popular. Yeah, I follow him. He just plays like Overwatch. He's getting married soon. Oh, that's um, cool. But a lot, but a lot of a lot of people that I I watch, I cannot watch someone who's worse at the game than I am. Oh yeah, I have that as well. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was so interesting because there was a guy like you're funny, but you're bad and yeah. i cannot deal with that no, I, like, I, I watch a lot of lot of tarkov streamers and i've played tarkov for a lot of times and they're like yes yeah, so what do i do here and i'm like i can't i can't do it it's no it's i, I, wanna, I like, definitely have that can. thing and i think that's why i go <laughs> in and out of like gaming things a lot because i it's when something's novel and i'm learning a lot i'm like that's super interesting and then i catch up to a level where i'm like i wouldn't have done that and i stop watching <laughs> it's amazing. It's like, yeah. I'm better than you and then just leave that's the I mean, final thing that Tom puts in the chat I'm better than you it's not I think I'm just like oh, my brain yeah. isn't getting enough new new Stimulus. knowledge yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it just thrives off new learning stuff new. yeah that's fair right bring this back yes the, there's an impact if you didn't know on the online persona to your personal identity okay so it can significantly impact a person's Per an individual's personal identity and self-perception. So, in their work, tackle they suggested that online identity identities provide a space for exploration and experimentation, uh, potentially leading to more flexible understanding of the self. However, this flexibility can also lead to conflicts and confusions between the online persona and the real-life identity. So, there can be a mismatch, and if there's a mismatch, you like can struggle. Yeah, I think a lot of teens, especially like Gen X and Gen Zs, they like from early, early, I say late childhood, early, early teens, you're say forced, societally pressured into creating an online persona. Like we weren't. Like when we were growing up, like I may may have posted on Facebook a couple of times in my teens. Yeah, didn't have Instagram. Wasn't for me. Maybe posted like super late. Like I didn't have to create a brand for myself. Wasn't, wasn't right. something that I was interested in, but like everybody is now. Like if you don't have a TikTok and you're of that age, what are you doing? What you, are get you, doing? you just get you just get heckled out of class. Yeah, literally. <laughs> I'm sure there is yeah. some like popularity complex around social media. Yeah, oh, 100, 100, not Facebook anymore. I don't think. I think it is more like TikTok. Based. I think TikTok, Instagram, maybe. Uh, is it just TikTok? Yeah, I think it's just TikTok for the, now. For the younger, the younger ones. Yeah, I think our generation has moved to Instagram, isn't it? Yeah, Facebook is. Facebook's dead. 
Facebook's dead unless you're <laughs> parents' age. <laughs> 40 to 60-year-olds. Um, yeah. The website formerly known as Twitter, I think, just refuses to finally die, but is essentially <laughs> dead. Like... It's soon to. Stop soon poking to it. It's way. already dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Type scenario. Um, I'm sure another <laughs> one will pop up. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Where's right. Vine? Come on. Vine was the I mean, best. Bring the Vine back. That was like, funny. Sometimes, sometimes I go back on YouTube and look at like Vines from back in the day. Oh, 100%. Free like, Shabakadu. <laughs> Free Shabakadu. What <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, If anyone gets yeah. that, hit us up. Yeah, it come from like an area an age that was like the vine peeps so i'm gonna i was gonna carry on to cyber psychology if you wanted or you got something you want to discuss um i find this really interesting so go uh, the stuff i've got is like maybe where identity comes from um in terms of like the the psychological background but but carry carry on with this and uh, oh, okay i'll keep on tracking if, if we've got more specific. we can always so, uh double so out double up yeah. Yeah. So, cyber psychology is a field of psychology that focuses on the human interactive, uh, human interaction of psych- technology, particularly the internet. And I did I already said this? Um, I think I said it to you earlier. It's a significant area within a field exploration of the psychological effects of amity on the internet. It can affect online behavior. Yeah, no, you did say this already. Yeah. 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 I don't know why. I'm like double up my nose. <laughs> I think that's, that's weird. We, uh, okay, so we, we did the intro huge... to that section. That's what tangented us, us off to Twitch oh, and everything. Yes. Yeah. Indeed, it did. So we did a little bit of, of this section. Okay. Yeah. So there's some key aspects of the anonymity of cyber psychology. There is first one, which is the disinhibition effect. The most notable phenomena associated with online anonymity, uh, if you're building into your persona, is the online disinhibition effect. I fucking hate that word. <laughs> this concept introduces, introduced by psychologist John Sula suggests that people may exhibit disinhibited behavior online that wouldn't normally show it to, in, to face-to-face interactions. This disinhibition can be benign, sharing personal things more openly, or toxic, engaging in aggressive, hostile, or harmful behavior. Like, online, enough if I'm playing it online and someone pisses me off in the chat, I'm just going to be there like, you effing Exactly. <laughs> dick. I mean, this is like... why, like, Twitter, Facebook can get so aggressive <laughs> so quickly. Right. Um... Yeah, it's the, and the, the it's Call the of Duty meme. lobbies, especially oh, back, back, in, back the in the day, day where you were just getting cussed out, people, racial slurs left, right, and center <laughs> from all white people. Um, <laughs> literally, it was absolute chaos. It gave you thick skin. Yeah, the th- what some some or anxiety, or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or anxiety because you're not being on the receiving end. Um, oh, but like, it's the it's the the meme where. There's like the dog barking and it's attached to a chain and there's the two dogs fighting and they've both got chains attached to them. And then one of the, the dog chains breaks loose and then it like goes and ties up the chain again and then keeps barking. And it's yeah. like the, when they're chained up, that's, that's online because yes. it's like, what are you going to do? Like, where are you going to go? Are you going to come find me? Are you going to dox me? Are you going to like swat me? Okay, so doxing is when you release information <laughs> about someone online. Swatting is calling the police to someone else's house and saying they've got a gun. Both yeah. are illegal. Don't do it. Don't do it. No matter yes. how much that person knows, you do not reveal their personal information online. 
Well, right to seen as a dick move and also in the UK is illegal. Yes. And also in the US, pretty sure it's illegal as well. Um, I think yeah, so, that's yeah. That's the disinhibition effect. There's a lot more about it. I think it's quite interesting. Second key aspect is de-individualization. So yes. the, the anonymity can lead to, this is what we're saying, like you, you, when you're in that community and you're that group, you lose a state, you, you have a state where you lose yourself your sense of self-awareness and personal responsibility, um, often leading to behaviors that is inconsistent with your, their normal life. So in online context, this might be manifested engaging in trolling, cyberbullying, swatting, antisocial behavior. You think it's okay, different from your real life because you're part of a group and you're in the in crowd. Also can be positive, I think. No, it's not just, you know, being bad. You can be like super positive online and then be a grump in real life. Yeah, there are, I'm sure there are many people who like donate so much money or subs. So you can spend five pound a month to sub to your favorite Twitch streamer. Subscribe. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's a way to <laughs> rate, rate, subscribe. Cheers. That's a way to support them. Um, yeah. And people could just donate these, gift these to other people who are chatting or just straight up give the streamer money. Um, yeah. And I've seen people get tips of well over 2K. Yeah, I've I've seen that. The highest I think I've seen was a 6K tip. But that was for a charity stream. That's what I'm saying. Like, it can be positive. Uh, yeah. People giving money. The highest I've like, seen is 2K in one go. But they were having, like, a donation battle. Like, one, two people were just trying to out-donate each other. And it ended up being, like, 8K on a Tuesday. Crazy Tuesday night. Wild. Yeah. Um, so then next you've got the social identity model of the individual individualization effect, we've talked before, developed by Raisha Spears and Post Postmez. Uh, provides a framework for understanding how anonymity and reduced cues in online environments can strengthen group identity. It suggests, suggests that when individual identities are masked, people are more likely to conform to group norms and identity, which can have both negative and positive effects, like we already said. Uh, there's a lot of this that like we we study in like cybercrime when you've got like script kiddies, people thinking like hacking people is fine when you're online. Um, yeah. This comes into another aspect, which is reduced accountability. Anonymity can reduce accountability, which leads groups to engage in actions they might uh, avoid under identifiable circumstances. This lack of accountability can encourage people to express opinions or behave in ways they believe won't have real-world repercussions. Massive debates and arguments are always had with governments when they say, like, you should have to have an online persona that uh, is your real identity in real life. So, so to... And I, I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to be like, okay, to stop trolling and people being hateful online, every account that you should have online, you should be you in real life. Yeah. And from someone that like security and privacy is like bread and butter for anybody that works in cybersecurity, it's like, this is an awful idea for so many reasons. Um, whistleblowers, like there's there's so many people on like use the online to get away from people to release information about the fairest things that are going on yeah. you're saying that they have to have their actual name against it it doesn't work stop trying to control the internet you bunch of fascists um <laughs> which, <laughs> i fucking hate you in government and we're gonna be like oh we're gonna bring this bill and it's gonna be the the internet safety act i'm like yeah that you're just dressing up a wolf in sheep's clothing at this point to try and say that you're gonna try and regulate the internet what a dumb idea. Right. Okay. Next, we've got escapism and the role of experimentation. 
Uh, it allows individuals to explore different aspects of their identity, freeing from the judgment and constraints of their offline life. This can be particularly important for self-exploration, especially individuals exploring their identities, such as gender and sexuality. Um, that can go one way, it can go all the way to the other, it can go to the extreme. Like, I, I, I understand the like self-exploration, but if you... It's like when you give a cat uh, like really fancy salmon from the ocean to try. In real life, that fish ain't going to ever catch a salmon. Yeah. You see where I'm going with this? It's a bit of, that's a bit of a tedious one. Like when you say like self-exploration, if they wouldn't find it in real life, giving someone an avenue online that they would never have access to, is that a good thing or not? I'm going to say yes. Mm, I don't know. I think it depends <laughs> what they have access to. Yeah. Unfe unfettered, uncontrolled access to the internet from the ages of uh, 12 to 16, Tom. How has that affected you? <laughs> oh, definitely some emotional trauma there. Definitely seen some things that I probably didn't regret seeing. Um, yeah. But, you know... Here we are. I'd say I've balanced out. Are. Eventually. <laughs> um, okay. I don't know. I also see the internet as such a wealth of good resources. I know there's an equal amount of bad. Um, but yeah, I think it's responsible use, teaching people, children, how to be responsible in what they want to mm. look for and search for and things like that. And of course, they're always going to search for things that irresponsibly um it's just gonna happen it's the nature of being human i think and having so much let's say knowledge at your fingertips um mm -hmm. but for example i mean i work in the science community right we would have nothing <laughs> but science would not have advanced like it has without the internet so i can't say that it's a bad thing i know the internet falls stop isn't a bad yeah. thing yeah Un, un, unfettered I'm, I'm access. Saying, I'm saying for the, in the role of like experimentation and like finding things out about yourself. You know, yeah, it's it's, it's difficult. It really depends yeah. what you end up getting exposed to and what you're about <laughs> to learn. Yes. Um, yeah. Stay off. Stay off Reddit, children. That's nah, a better place, don't they? They. Uh, yeah, they're doing they're a lot better to, these days. Go to like IPO or try and like to get into stocks so they, they've got a share price to sell it to investors so they've like clamped down on like all the hateful subreddits like back in the day when i started using reddit there was like so i'm trying to remember some ones that got banned recent not recently but got banned in the ban wave like five years ago um pamphlets which is just ham planets was was solely for mocking fat people uh um but like it wasn't just like here's a fat person laugh at them it was like here's a fat person that's said like they're being healthy by eating only three burgers um that kind of thing uh like there's there was loads they got cut all the hateful ones got got immediately cut and people were like that's not what the um the guy who founded it who actually uh he killed himself if i remember correctly yeah, oh, that's it. Yeah, there was, there was like reasons. I don't know what the reasons were, but yeah, the 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 founder was just like, no, it's supposed to be an, an open source bastion for anybody can do anything. But you know, you can't really have that. 
No. That's Who's what 4chan is for. No, that's true. That's true. But then that is a bit. Um, yeah, there's some, some mental health complications, implications that sure. come from anonymity online. Um, it can provide a supportive environment, but that people, if you're not, if you don't feel safe discussing real issues in real life, it actually gives you an outlet to talk, find out, discuss things that you wouldn't feel comfortable. Yeah. Um, Especially if you, you know you're like, you're, you're a manly man, you're a guy, and you don't want to talk about your sexual health. There's 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 forums and stuff for that, but it can also go swing the other way. Uh, it can also be con- it can contribute to you know spread of harmful information, cyberbullying, uh, and reinforce negative behaviors and beliefs. Yeah, your echo chambers, you know. Um, yeah, especially <laughs> you know, think about COVID and all that. of that. Yeah, that uh, thing. Misinformation. Gathering's okay. Yeah. What? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, one of the things I find kind of funny, um, but I guess it's really not, but like, think about the, 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 what anonymity will make people do and uh, the, the lengths they'll go to. So there's a game called War Thunder. Oh, may I absolutely love the saga of war thunder there was another Um, one that got posted yeah so war thunder is a world war ii and now to current era i think war simulation game where you take control of boats tanks planes infantry whatever to simulate battles against people online in real time now it has a dedication to being lifelike. And, you know, sometimes they'll even release models of tanks that haven't been released, like, in the real world yet because, I don't know, they have some agreement with the manufacturer to bring it into the game and advertise it. Honestly, unsure. But people will be, like, be so particular about the information that they're... And they get into arguments about what (laughs) different... Uh, planes are capable of or yeah. what different tanks are capable of and to oh, settle dear. the argument these people yeah. somehow get a hold of classified documents and just <laughs> post it on the forums to try and prove their point and you'd think oh that happens once that's funny this happens at least <laughs> five six times last year it it's happened enough that the owners and the people that run the forums have to constantly be like, "Look, do not post classified documents." The latest one was the for the Apache helicopter. Um, that was like I'm pretty sure was is because they were like in game, like yeah, it's weak. It's not that weak. You can do X, Y, Z, blah 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 blah. So um, the most recent one I found uh, is a post. Uh, on Eurogamer.net and also on the War Thunder forum itself. Zero days since classified documents leaked um, on the M3A3 Bradley uh, tank uh, on the 12th of December. So that's less than a month ago. Well, a month ago exactly yeah. uh, when that, when this comes out. Um, but yes, the Apache helicopter instruction manual was leaked. Yeah, the, the full <laughs> instruction manual. That was absolutely crazy. Like... Oh dear, there was another one that uh was a Minecraft forum that somebody who worked who worked like in the American 
an, an analyst in America to prove the clout that they were an analyst took classified documents to share with his Minecraft server. Seems absolutely yeah. <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> but the War Thunder thing, I just absolutely love it. I know I shouldn't as someone that's like in cybersecurity, but it's just so funny. It's so funny that people just get so angry that they're like the thing that they love, the like the tank or whatever they enjoy playing so much. And they're like, it's bad, but it shouldn't be bad. And here's why. <laughs> like here are the tech specs of this in real life. Yeah. Um, that's wild, isn't it? I've got, so someone asked this on Reddit. What, what's the relation between War Thunder leaking and, uh, and leaking military documents? And someone's laid it out in, far, in seven simple steps. One, Gaijin, which is the company that makes the game, adds uh, semi-modern vehicles. Two, they incorrectly model some of that vehicle. Three, they require legitimate source material to go off in order to change things. Four, the players will give a legitimate, non-classified, non-restricted information that you can find published online by the government or military historians. Five, the publishers normally refuse that this is valid... uh, material because they then they would have to go off and change it i guess six now the players that yearn for accurate technology proceed to search anywhere and everywhere for accurate documentation including classified information which they somehow keep regularly getting i, I don't know i don't know how <laughs> but yes you know what i think it is i think that is the chinese government you know and they possibly, possibly. have created this, this honeypot situation where they're getting Westerners to post <laughs> classified documents on this forum about... They don't actually uh, play it. They're just they sat there on. telling people they're wrong. And like, oh, I'll prove it. Go on then. I dare you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't show us the entire Apache helicopter instruction manual? Oh, funny. Yeah. Um, so yeah, slightly funny, slightly scary. What people would do online. Uh, this kind of derailed from identity and it did maybe we'll come back (laughs) next week and carry on the identity uh thought but uh yeah i guess we will wrap it up there we're we're just slightly over the hour now so have you got anything you would like to uh, end the show with uh now that that was it all right that soundbite awesome that will bring us to a wrap then. <laughs> Don't forget to share with your friends, families, co-workers on the forums of War Thunder if you like. If you want more fun information science, you can follow us on Twitter and TikTok at InfoEntryPod, Instagram InformationEntryPod, and of course, whichever directory you're listening to this on right now, you can give us a like, rating, comment, follow, subscribe, whatever you can. It helps us out absolutely massively. Any last words? Nice for me. Awesome. I guess we'll see you guys next time. Yay! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Double up.